Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Spiel. My name is Chris, with me as always is Parker, a special guest is Alex, and we watch a little movie called Devil. It's a movie about like five people stuck in an elevator, and one of them is a killer. And you know, as the movie progresses, you end up finding out that they are, in fact, the devil. So, my first question about this why wasn't it named Elevator? They're afraid of success, accolades, money. I don't understand. The creativity. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> Actually, happy about it myself. Well, see, if you think about it, M. Night's a genius. Because if you call it Devil and M. Night's name is attached, you're never going to think it's actually the Devil. So if you, it's really a double Shyamalan. <laughs> That's a good point. What if it was God the entire time? Uh, Parker, do you have any news? Buddy. Let's <laughs> oh, catch no. up. Where have we been? <laughs> oh, no. Where have we been recently in the DC universe? Aquaman making a trillion dollars officially being the most profitable DC movie ever finding out that Birds of Prey is part of a Harley Quinn trilogy (laughs) hurts coming out of your mouth here's two fun pieces of news so guys there's a Batman movie coming in 2021 and Ben Affleck's not in it anymore (laughs) Yes. you may remember he signed on to write, direct, and star in a Batman movie like five years ago and this is where we are now yeah just burn the whole goddamn thing down to the ground, I guess. So, but here's a thought. What if no one stars as Batman for a little bit? Yeah, what if we you just didn't see a Batman movie for like 15 years? I think this is a good thing, because it's been a while since I've seen his parents get murdered, so... <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, I need some slow motion shot of those fucking pearls falling to the ground with that broad get shot. I love backstory. You know, it has been a long time since you've seen that, because you fell asleep during that part. <laughs> oh, God, is that in Justice League too? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I would not rule it out. The I, fact that it's possible I, really says it all. I cannot definitively yeah, say one way or another. Yeah. Did someone say Justice Anything League? Else? Did someone oh, say no. Zack Snyder? Aww. Oh, my friends. Thank you for the segue. Because guess what? Zack Snyder is back on Netflix. And as you know, all movies that go to Netflix, as we found out this week, are quality. To make a $90 million zombie movie. Your thoughts, Alex? Well, his last zombie movie was pretty watchable, especially by Zack Snyder's standards. I'll try to stay awake through this one. Yeah, so uh, after you and I experienced Polar, which we will speak about shortly, just know there's another Zack Snyder movie on the horizon. And as you know about Netflix, there's just no editing involved, so that's free, just not reined in Zack Snyder with complete control. Whom is excited? Uh, not I. Maybe this'll get you going a bit. You remember our good friend Jameson Gunn and how we got fired? Yeah. You know, for joking about diddling kids. A thing none of us have done. Right. It's now official, my good friend Chris. He is directing the next Suicide Squad. And check this! So that came out, what, like three, four years ago? Who who fucking cares? Yeah, it's a complete reboot. He's not even making a sequel. (laughs) God! (laughs) 
<laughs> Within hours of each other, they announced, Hey guys, we have a new Batman. Also rebooting Suicide Squad. <laughs> no, this is... See, this is fine. Because now we have a second crack and more Deadpool jokes. <laughs> I just want to die, you guys. Just... Hope you like titties and people saying the F word and people farting when they get shot. Because... <laughs> Skip, you know I'm sensitive to the F word and titties. Absolutely. You know what? I think that'll do it. Nothing else will hurt. Nothing else will hurt you as much <laughs> as knowing that that you have another Suicide Squad movie in your life. Think of the whole news cycle as new members of the Suicide Squad are revealed over the next like eight months. Think about that. Think about yeah. all these shows that will start with me going, "Hey, so uh, giant shark guy's gonna be in the movie." <laughs> think about it, Chris. If there's a giant shark guy in the movie. Really? Because it was I a mean, giant crocodile. I, like, I guess I'll never know. <laughs> Boy. When we Boy. finally exhaust all of the bear and Squatch and Yeti and Abominable <laughs> Snowman and Grizzly Bear and other types of bear <laughs> movies and we move on to crocodiles, then we'll talk. Exhaust sure is the word for that. I'm still so mad about this. Can't he really... Whatever. <laughs> Hey man, we got you Jared Leto as a damaged Joker and the guy with the boomerang. Yeah, no thank you. Let me just, uh, just throw this into the trash. I can't wait for Jared Leto to send used condoms to all the new cast of the Suicide Squad, even oh. though he's not in it. That would be so fun. <laughs> Stay in character move. just in case, guys. I'd respect that. <laughs> James, what the Frankly fuck? He said, he said he wasn't in this. Why is he sending me dead rats? <laughs> He's such a power uh, move. Put you in the, put you in the headspace. All right, uh, Parker. Do you have anything else? No, I. You've done enough collateral damage around your house. It's, good. Okay. it's gonna be okay, buddy. Parker, how about you lead off with the movies that you saw this week? Okay, so I will say up front, I didn't watch a ton of movies, but that's for a very specific reason. So at the end of last week's episode, you may remember we spent a solid 30 minutes talking about Chappelle's show. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the lady has never seen Chappelle's show. <gasps> and on top of that, our roommate had never seen It's Always Sunny. So not a lot of movies, but a very powerful week of watching someone experience the player haters ball for the first time. <laughs> it's been it's been real fucking good. What can I say about that quote that hasn't already been said about Iraq? <laughs> He looks bobbed out. It went straight from that to trading spouses. <laughs> In the mad real world. <laughs> it was a real strong day the week after. It's... Content is always good. So, friends, let's talk about Gunbuster and how important oh, it is yes. to all of us. Oh, thank goodness. So and happy. I want to say this on mic here. Alex, thank you specifically for assigning us Gunbuster. I actually genuinely love this. I figured this would be a hit with both of you guys, so... So I didn't, like, look at anything about it. I just downloaded it and watched it. And when we get to episode four and you finally see what it looks like, y'all, I got so fucking hyped. Yup. Just kicking my feet like a fat little treat boy. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking Like, good. for all the criticisms that one would be able to make, like, the animation is, like, kind of, you know, kind of cheap, the art is so beautiful that it justifies almost everything else in it. Even you all know? of the anime titties on the 17-year-old girls? Which, yeah, that episode sure comes they were 17? <laughs> Which one? Uh, yeah, they uh, were seniors in high school. Don't you remember? They went back and had to graduate. 
I mean, I guess technically they aged a lot in space, so you're in the clear. And I exactly, can, we're good. Oh, I mean, that that's like the fucking disgay argument about that little girl, you know? But... Dude, you well, actually, okay, she's 12,000 years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they say. It's actually okay for uh, me to check anyway. off to her. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I'll, I, you know, the nudity really wasn't that bad. You know, it was just kind of like, hey, you know, they're women. The only reason yeah, that I even like. really noticed the nudity at all is because the first time I watched this was on a plane. Yeah, that'll happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was I'm, coming. Like, I'm oh, they're, the, the, they're in the locker room. Because. That's kind of weird. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's happening. <laughs> and it like wasn't even like a regular sized plane. I was on a spirit flight, so the person next to me was like right over top of me. I'm like, oh, fuck. I just shut my laptop. Just breathing on your shoulder. I, the only bit of nudity that even got a reaction out of me is the very last bit of it at the end, the climax of the entire show, where she just rips off yeah. her <laughs> outfit. She screams. I have to admit, I, I laugh. It's a power move. I would I do know. it. I don't know if she was trying to... Was it, like, that French painting where that one woman's, like, breast is exposed or something like that? She holds up a flag of freedom or something like that? I was like, is that supposed to be what you're going for? Or is that just, like, eh, one more shot for the kids at home? Yeah, I mean, you gotta... It's a stressful situation. It's, just, it's hard to claim artistic uh, license when it jiggles, but, you know. There is a, yeah. a lot of <laughs> fucking boob jiggling technology. You know, not as much as I thought there'd be, and not as much as, like, later anime would be. Which, That's a good uh, point. <laughs> of, I, I brought this up. Uh, this actually gives me new appreciation for Darling and the Franks, which is basically this show, but better in almost every single way. The only way it's not better is the art. But yet, somehow, so much less impressive, because this being done in 1988 is so much better than Darling and the Franks being done in 2018. You know? Like, there's a 30-year difference, and really, Gunbuster is so much more impressive. And also a little bit more charming, in a way. Like, it, it, you had a really good comparison that it was Top Gun, but with, like, mech anime. And uh, I also like it every once in a while the intercession is, God, Buster! <laughs> That's, I think it's my favorite thing that anime has that Western culture doesn't. Just the commercial bumper that just sings the name of the show for, like, five seconds still. <laughs> we should adopt that here. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should do that. Uh, actually, I also really like the uh, ending song because it just also drives on the point that this is just a young girl, you know, and she's still trying to figure out her her way in the universe. Which uh, the one big thing about this show is, I was watching it and I was just liking it. I wasn't quite loving it, but I was just like, you know, for scientific fiction or, or speculative fiction or whatever this is supposed to be, I like it if there's like a really obvious point here if they're trying to say something uh i've already made it clear about which science fiction movies i don't like that don't have a point to them or don't really have a central Suicide idea squad. Thesis. star wars at some point this has a thesis and i think that idea that they're trying to drive home is you know like establishing your worth like is there a reason for you to be alive and to do what you do and i think this movie does a really really good job of it for that reason i will defend the ending that everyone i've talked to has kind of said it's a little bit schmaltzy you know it's a little bit of a hollywood ending like oh they're so happy for us it was like you know what? i actually kind of like it i, I fucking think, think it's just like, all those people are dead like thousands of years ago yeah i mean like what do you want from it like everyone is like oh it should be like a downer ending no, you can't have a downer ending with your interstitialist gun buster. <laughs> oh, cool. We might be landing on a fucking planet of the apes planet that could just be on fire, but they left a nice sign. Fucking Hollywood <laughs> liberals. <laughs> That's what I keep hearing is it was way too happy. I I really... It's, it's interesting because, like, I enjoyed this the whole way through. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed the pilot more than i've enjoyed the pilots to like most things ever oh the pilot's great those robots doing crunches is and that was the first thing i saw so i was powerful. like all right so that's why you recommended it and then it turned yeah. out it was actually good it was like oh man 
Shyamalan yeah. twist. It's it's like <laughs> when it gets going in the middle, it like I briefly lose my way with it, but it's very brief because the show's so short. I feel like that last episode just ties such a neat bow on everything that's happened up to that point, and everything that feel that felt sort of out of place in the moment just all comes together. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. these characters that I spent barely two hours with, I now care about their well-being, which is really, really hard to mm-hmm. do. Especially for, like, an episodic 80s weirdo anime. Like Episodes 4, 5, it, and 6 are so goddamn good. Yeah. It also does a really good job of temporal displacement, which is the same thing that Dunkirk did. You have to kind of keep a lot of balls in the air to keep a track of, okay, this character's on this planet, so they're aging at this rate, or this person's over here, so they're aging like this. I didn't have any trouble doing it with this. I think the, the show did a really, really good job. Also, it, it flew by. I just binged the entire thing. Yeah, it's got six episodes, so like less than a half hour each. It's so fucking good. So ultimately, it gets a very strong recommendation from the both of us, and I'll probably cut out a little bit of the talk about the titties because that's not what the show was about. There's more to it than that. <laughs> but you we gotta, we gotta get Joel to watch it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's already upset. He, he already said that he uh, watched it. He was upset because the ending was uh, was bad. Just so you guys know, woman there, was happy. <laughs> there is a six-episode spiritual successor to this called Die Buster, which came out in like '03. Which I haven't seen, so... And then I saw that there's theatrical versions of both series condensed down to, like, movie runtimes. I need to acquire that on Blu-ray, desperately. I would just rather watch the first episode over and over so again. Good. Also, I still need to watch Evangelion, so... Uh, I'm so episode. excited for that to hit Netflix. I yeah, cannot I wait. I forgot about that. Down the days All here. these normals. I'm so <laughs> excited. I've never seen it. I'm gonna, like, try to binge it. Oh my god, all these normals talk with Shinji yeah. memes. It's going to be so fucking good. Oh, yes. It's great. Uh, sorry, Parker, what else did you watch? Let's see here. Oh, I forgot I watched Hotel Artemis this week. I oh, did you? I completely forgot I watched oh, go that. Go for it. I don't understand how and why this cast came together. I should probably do everyone a favor and pull that up. I kind of forgot to do that. Because it's the weirdest okay. fucking assortment of people I've seen in a movie with a director who's done nothing. Hotel Artemis. So the main character is Jodie Foster in 2018, which is weird. Sophia Botella, Dave Bautista, Sterling K. Brown, Jeff Goldblum, Jenny Slate, and Zachary Quinto, and Charlie Day. I don't understand. Boy, is Charlie Day in that movie. He is doing something with that accent. He has such an incredible death scene in that movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> but you look in this director, it's the only thing he's done. He's, like, written a bunch of movies, like, has script credit on like, Mission Impossible and Iron Man 3. Yikes. And, like, why does this movie exist? Because it's not the most expensive movie I've ever seen, but there's some money behind it. And you have all these character actors thrown into a room, and... I mean, it wasn't that bad. It helped that I watched Polar beforehand. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's that's a real come up. It's just I remember you texting me that you were in the theater, and I lost thing is like, why was this in the theater? This isn't for anybody. This whole movie was marked like some. It's hey, we saw John Wick. You remember the hotel? That was pretty cool. What if we just made a whole movie about the Continental, except John Wick wasn't in it? Yeah, that was what I said when I saw it. Was like, if this movie comes out five years later, it's part of the John Wick blown out like cinematic universe, and right. it's a lot more interesting. Hey. It's just it's just a weird fucking movie. It's just I saw it, I was like, that wasn't it had bad. So much potential. 
it wasn't bad, but it, I watched it earlier in the week, and I looked down and saw it on my list and went, oh shit, yeah, I did watch that. Yeah. That's about all you can really say about it. Yeah. Alright, let's quit dicking around. Let's talk about Polar. (laughs) (laughs) God, do we have to? How do you feel laying down at night, closing your eyes, and knowing there's someone who watched this and thought, man, that's what I thought Suicide Squad was going to be. That was epic. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you you do this to me? (laughs) That person exists, and I hate it so much. This movie You can already see what kind of clothes that individual wears. It is John Wick for someone who saw Suicide Squad three times in theaters. It is just a fucking so it's, it's it's it doesn't exist. No one saw Suicide Squad three it's times in two years. Such an Oscar winner, experience. Suicide Squad. Oh god, Alex, I just doubled over. Cut the shit. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt me so badly. The Oscars are good, guys. So best picture, Bohemian Rhapsody, comma over fucking Handmaiden. I'm not mad. <laughs> I keep thinking about watching Bohemian Rhapsody, and then I realize I could watch anything else with my time. <laughs> Yeah, sure, I could watch Bohemian Rhapsody, but what about Mads Mikkelsen getting revenge an hour into this two-hour movie? God, it's... Boy, the first entire goddamn hour just made just me does progress. It doesn't need to exist! Nothing happens! You get introduced to this hackneyed fucking group of assassins, one of whom's only job is to give blowjobs to people while her friends shoot them. Like, that's a joke in this movie that is used repeatedly. When the movie opened, I saw Johnny Knoxville <laughs> said out loud, Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, not to bury the lead here, but like the most impressive thing about this movie is the stunt casting. When you go to that fucking bar and the washed-up old assassin singing karaoke is fucking Richard Dreyfus, I was like, "Are you serious?" In this movie, he was in Jaws, and now he's just some bumbling old fool is singing karaoke in this dumbass assassin movie. Oh Watch, watching your favorite actors grow old and take these roles because they could use the paycheck is it's rough man <laughs> it I'm, not, I'm like not even a Richard Dreyfus guy and it hurt me it <laughs> physically hurt me that I watched the previous 90 minutes of this movie and was like fuck I'd rather be watching anything else and then there's Richard Dreyfus singing karaoke I feel better knowing he will never watch this movie he yeah, showed up for an true. afternoon of He's filming, got other shit going and on. he could not tell you the name of the movie he was in that day. And I appreciate that. Pretty sure he was a Zach Galifianakis of the seventies. <laughs> oh my god, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so tune in next week, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. When the movie ended mercifully at the four-hour mark, and the first thing I saw was music by Dead Mouse, I just shut my laptop <laughs> and walked out of the room. I was so goddamn mad. There is, there's so much I could say about this movie. Like it, the movie it's not is, good, but... it's the very definition of too little, too late. Because like the last half hour, I'm like, well, this is all right. Yeah, we just started like from, here. Like, like from the no. hallway seat on, it's like. This would have been a thumbs in the middle kind of movie. Like, yeah, it's not bad. Like, yeah, it would have they been ki- what these people say it is. They do kill the bad guy off screen, which is just a completely reprehensible crime for an action movie. Right. Boy, I hope you remember my text where I just text you in all caps. Is that really the fucking villain? Boy, yeah. it's not good. It's funny. He looks he's, like he's if, British. if Elton John and Guy Fieri had a baby, and it's... I'm not exaggerating. It's the worst. Because well, you see him like, oh, I guess it's just another quirky bad guy. Oh, fuck, that's... That's, that's him. That's, that's the guy. There's an hour and 40 minutes left. What do you mean that's the bad guy? It's painful, man. 
So there's a lot of people that have uh, that have like you know the people that try to distance themselves from liking this movie as they should. They're like, yeah, but that scene where he fights in the snow like naked is really cool because like Mad's just running around with his ass out murdering people in the snow. First of all, that scene is preceded by a three-minute sex scene. I, it's so many positions. It is, it is all of the If you positions. can think of a position, it's there. It is the and fucking it, Team America sex scene. <laughs> there are like 45 seconds of titties smashed up against a window, like, it's, with the camera outside. Like, it, it's... It is This egregious. might be longer than the sex scene in the room. <laughs> This dude watched Boondock Saints and Suicide Squad and said, Alright guys, I've got a franchise for us. I can already it's, just smell this person. This, this, yeah. Just like, the fact that the <laughs> fucking joke in every one of these hits is that it's a blowjob. Then she says, like, uh... I, God, I don't remember what the fucking line is. It's really not good. And then they shoot a fat guy in the stomach a bunch of times. He makes a farting noise and then pops back up so they have to machine gun him down as he's shaking like an idiot. And it's like, man, like... You really missed all the funny parts of Deadpool, huh? You know, when Deadpool came out, <clears throat> I said that Fox was going to learn all the wrong lessons from it. It turns out, no, it's just the rest of filmmaking is going to take all the wrong lessons from it. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I think, Alex, you had a similar point about it, how it's like the Velvet Underground debut album. How <laughs> yeah. Everyone watches it, and everyone takes away the worst possible lessons. It's the lesson is, hey, just make it R-rated, give people what they've been asking for, and they'll come see it, not... All right, but what if she sucks that fat guy's dick and then they shoot him and then he farts? Like, holy Christ. Let me put Two it hours. Way. Two as hours. As he's running around naked in the snow murdering people, I said aloud, I wish I was watching the snowman instead. And I meant it. <laughs> I, there was one point I hovered down to see where I was in the movie and I realized I wasn't halfway and I was yep. legitimately angry for a good, like, 20 seconds. Also, Chris, just... So you know, this yeah. movie has a ten-minute torture scene. It's endless. I will never watch it. I, I know. That's why I'm I'm informing yeah. you. We'll get to the yeah, game of just... games later. <laughs> Whoa, weird. That's... You hate to There's see. There's certain it. things I'm just gonna fucking veto right off. No, the bat. That's... <laughs> uh, that's an option. What? Uh, Excuse me, I sir. Mean, I believe what? your oh, bumper what? nuts are exhausted. <laughs> well, excuse, excuse me, Parker. Well, speaking of the Grinch leaked, buddy. Uh, we'll get to what I watched in a little bit. Um, How much of what have I watched, my friend? Of uh, Hee Haw did you watch? Uh, actually. Yeah, exactly. That's what this That's podcast what is. That's what I thought. How, uh, so, uh, what else did you watch? Well, since we delayed, you guys were gracious enough to delay this for a day so I could get some fucking sleep. That meant I had time to watch Hunter Killer. Yes! Man, I just... There's no genre movie I hate more than Rah Rah, The Troops Did It, y'all. It's every scene... Okay, so first of all, the first note I have is... Is that Gary Oldman? Yeah! And it was! So, this movie stars Gary Oldman... And Gerard Butler as Joe Glass. Joe Glass! <laughs> Wait a second, that's the first bad guy from fucking Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! As soon as I opened it, I said out loud, You've gotta be kidding me, this cannot be two hours. This should have been 92 minutes tops. Every time Gerard Butler was on screen, like, or was off screen, the movie was 
daring me to pay attention, and I lost every time. Every time it cut to these three random marine dudes just, like, shooting people to desert, I could not look speaking anywhere else fast <laughs> enough. Speaking of those marine dudes, buddy, <laughs> do you know who their leader was? I brought this up in a previous episode. Oh, oh no. Who was it? The bad guy from Die Another Day. <laughs> wow. I mean, as soon as they went on the Russian sub and they pulled out the bad guy from John Wick, I was like, oh, yeah. we're doing this, I guess. <laughs> And every single command room scene is just it's run just by common. <laughs> fucking military propaganda. Who should we get? Ah, noted American Gerard Butler. <laughs> I, I think fucking I'm in, loved every second of this dumbass movie. I'm in love with the subgenre of movies that made the president a female because they just assumed Hillary was going to win. Shut up. <laughs> Every time a movie says Madam President and it was made after 2016, I laugh really loud. Because, you know, they're like, I mean, we can't we can't bother recasting this and rewriting this. Like, just, just roll with it, I guess. It's... Man. I... The funniest part of the movie for me was scrolling down the Wikipedia and seeing that it had an A- on CineScore. Because the only people that would see this movie are the, old, are the only people that would stand up and clap at the end of it. <laughs> so better or worse than horse soldiers parker well one movie wastes uh my friend thor and the other wastes gerard butler so <laughs> i wish i'd just watched den of thieves again instead to be honest with you <laughs> yeah the only person never rewatched that all right so that's all you watch i have something else but i can tag it on to you later my good friend okay um I'll go next. Uh, first of all, I would uh, like to ask Alex a little question. Alex, you know, all the great movies in cinema, there's usually one thing that they all feature. What, what would you say that that is? There's no wrong answer. All the great movies have this thing? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with some sort of animal or mythical creature that mauls people. Uh, no. There it is, a wrong answer. I lied. Parker, <laughs> your guess? Oh, you need more specific. No, he meant Sasquatch, not just any. Okay, all right, okay. all right. Very, very, very close. That's nice. I appreciate it. No, the answer is blackface. So I watched South Park bigger, <laughs> longer, Man, I, I took the high road and he, sw he shummel on me. <laughs> what? But I was right, because Scuzzlebutt's in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> is he? I don't, I don't know that he is. Check but, and uh, mate. As it turns out, uh, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut in theater is one of the best film experiences of my lifetime. That movie is still funny. Uh, there is, in fact, a very, very short uh, blackface scene in there that is more than a little bit jarring in 2019, but uh, you don't really care because that's like one of the least offensive things <laughs> in the movie. Uh, <laughs> There's, I, I won't get into them on the podcast, but uh, yeah, that movie is hysterical. And South Park is, it's kind of hit or miss every once in a while when they get to like a social issue. You know, sometimes they're you know they're not really on base, but other times they just hit it out of the park. And the movies where they really hit it out of the park, there's a talk about censorship and accountability, especially with, with regards to parenting. And I think the movie again really <laughs> nailed it. I'm Brian Dennis. This is a boot justice. This is a boot respect. <laughs> Can I finish? Can I finish? Okay, I'm finished. <laughs> Chris, how does the little jokes? How does it make you feel knowing that this and Spy Who Shagged Me were in theaters at the same time? Oh, okay. 
Uh, well, alright. I'm just gonna lay back here. Y'all go and talk. <laughs> oh. I, I think the movie has aged wonderfully. I saw it at like one of those movie parties and people were getting into it, you know? They were they were holding up lighters during all the scenes in hell, which by the way, that James Hetfield song about Kenny going to hell is fantastic. <laughs> hell isn't good, hell isn't good, hell. <laughs> <laughs> That I is, love this movie. That movie is probably one of the movies that I've seen the most often in my life. Shout it's probably out to, in the top five. Shout so. out to Comedy Central at midnight. I have, yeah, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, it is. I, I can legitimately say, as far as like comedies and especially comedy musicals, this is one of the most tightly edited movies I've ever seen in my life. Partially because the MPA was to declare and cuts to everything, but all the jokes just fly. There's never anything where they just hold on shot and be like, oh, wait for his funny reaction. They're, it's just so fast. They just fly from joke to joke to joke, and you're constantly having a good time. Also, I really want to point out the background posters that they have in the school cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> one of the posters is of a gorilla with the label, it's time to wake up. <laughs> I need to buy that fucking poster. We'll be revisiting one of these joke, one of the jokes in this movie in a little bit. Don't worry. Oh, oh my god! This, I don't know if I should cut this, but like, I think we've had the conversation that if you're funny enough, you can get away with making any kind of joke. I think an example of this is is like Dave Chappelle. <laughs> that's that's the big one. That's that's like one of the big ones. Is I laughed hysterically. That's so everyone else. But the other one that everyone laughed at was. Uh, I, I, was that, where was it? They're having like the the like that military meeting, and it's like, oh, we'll call it Operation Get Behind the Dockies. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? I don't, I don't listen, listen to hip hop. <laughs> that j- so that joke was funny. in the trailer. Nineteen ninety eight was a while God. ago. <laughs> Oh boy, that that fucking movie! It is fantastic, and you know, for a while I have like my list of my top movies, and it's generally in order. And I keep looking at it and be like, "Huh, I kind of have a South Park movie high up there. Is it really that good?" Yeah, Jeez. it might go up a couple slots. That movie is so fucking good. Uh, highly recommend it to everyone who's ever existed. All right, when well, we sync uh, up, we'll do three, two, one, and then we'll make the sound of a dying giraffe. <laughs> we'll get also, to that. The, oh again, no! There are like little, <laughs> there are little sounds in there. It's like the, it's like where he says oh, you have to find the clitoris, right? Would he ask his sister where the clitoris is? <laughs> it's so fucking powerful. It's like to not watch it for years and go back and be like, oh yeah, I forgot the central plot is he dies from lighting himself on fire and they put a baked potato where his heart should be. Now, Parker, uh, or Alex, Alex, I have one more question about this movie. It's completely serious and it, it's okay if it takes you a while to answer it. What is the worst thing about being a Baldwin? <laughs> Nothing! <laughs> All the bald ones are dead. <laughs> They're coming back for a second run on the Arquette Mansion. <laughs> Fucking love this movie. Okay, uh, I guess changing gears from something. I was like fully expecting you to movie. ask me what a butt was for. <laughs> no. That's like the only like age-appropriate uh, joke in there for third graders to watch it. <laughs> anyway, uh, actually, I will say that about like third graders. I'm talking a little bit more about this than I expected, but uh, the movie, what it does really, really well is it kind of emulates the way that third graders like act and talk. Like that movie is spot on for my experiences in third and fourth grade. 
So, which is weird because, like, it's obviously not for that audience, but it, it's, it's almost, like, nostalgic in a way. It's like, I was kind of like these kids when I was growing up. As someone who hasn't right. developed past the age of eight mentally, it is 100% <laughs> accurate. That's what my brain okay. sounds like 24-7. It's not great. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on to something that's not quite as funny, but I, I really, really liked it. Uh, I watched the original Suspiria for the first time, the 1977 mm-hmm. version. Body. Well, it's more of a thriller than a horror, it's but fine. I also really... T- <laughs> it's whatever. Sure, I mean, if they I, called I, Hereditary Thriller instead of a horror movie, she would have been nominated. It's fine. Whatever. Prove me right, cowards. I'll, I'll, I'll just say for what it is, Suspiria is one of the best movies I've ever seen. This movie is fucking beautiful. I, uh, I love so much about it. I love the score. The score is probably my favorite part. Um, I, I actually really like the story. A lot of people are kind of down on the plot. I, I watched the dub because, you know, fuck subs. But I, I, I thought the plot was pretty good. I, I, I liked where they were going with it. I thought the narrative was good, too. I, I thought it was a really, really good movie. It also makes me <laughs> not want to watch the remake. After Hunter uh, Killer Parker also hates subs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my biggest question, uh, this is one for Parker, and no, this isn't a joke. Uh, how do you feel about the main character? Because I liked her. Yeah, I liked her. I think a lot so of people I, said I'm, that she was kind of bland. She was sort of like an every woman sort of role, but I, I don't really. See, I think she didn't have as much of a character as like other horror movie heroines, I guess. But I mean, those are all like vestigial characterizations that they add on her. Everything that she does with her face is just perfect for the movie. I like the way that she was exploring. When she falls into that room with Razor Wire, I was like, oh hell yes, this movie <laughs> fucking rules. It's so fucking good. My lasting yeah. memory will always be you confusing it with Disturbia. And that's fine. Future episode. <laughs> oh shit. You have no idea how often I do that. <laughs> One of these weeks uh, I'm just gonna dive into the Shia LaBeouf catalog. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's coming. Do emerge with safety. We're gonna be digging up those watched, holes. Uh, now it's, it's time for me to finally get back on <laughs> my bullshit. Oh no no no. Let me slow you down, Chris. Oh, sorry. Because he said sorry, he never no. watched the Suspiria remake. I, I did. It's real, real fucking good. Like, it's not really a remake. It's more... I think the best way to describe it is almost like like a a companion piece. Like, shut the fuck up. It's... It (laughs) takes place in a dance school. There are witches. That's about it. That Those are the similarities. It's very so much not a remake. Like, companion piece. It's like a, a spirit trophy in the new Super Smash Brothers. No, yeah. I, think he, I think he's saying it's like the uh, Suicide Squad reboot. Yes, it's that. You know, it's a spiritual successor to Suicide Squad. No, I honestly, you should, you should watch it. Oh, I'll, I'll see about it. I don't know. When I saw the trailer and Tilda Swinton was going, when you dance, the dance of another, it's like, all right, I'm out. Okay, but, let uh, me put it to you this way. I'm recommending you a two and a half hour movie that is largely subtitled. So, that's a thing okay. that I enjoyed. <laughs> I'll t- <laughs> congratulate. That's that's good. <laughs> All right. So I also watched a 1957 black and white movie directed by Elia Kazan. It's called A Face in the Crowd. And here's the worst part about this movie: everyone now in the year of our Lord and Savior 2019 keeps using it as like, well, it's obviously an allegory for the prediction of the rise of Donald Trump. Oh, kill myself. Jesus Christ, people! I fucking hate you all. It's Oh, you know what? Uh, it's bad that Trump got elected. We're gonna usher in a golden age of comedy, <laughs> satire, and art. Uh, we will like get to that. Oh no! <laughs> a face in the crowd is kind of like Citizen Kane and All the King's Men if it had married poorly. 
Alex, I think you'd like it but not love it, and that's all I have to say about this 1957 black and white classic. Then I watched a, a pair of 1977 movies. First, I watched Saturday Night Fever. Oh, yes. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> now, here's the thing. First of all, we all know it's John Travolta, who, by the way, doing an identical accent to Gotti. And uh, so it's like, nice, something I have familiarity with. Uh, Parker, you, you know uh, Saturday Night Fever. You know what it's about, right? Oh, I'm aware of the the big reveal you were not prepared for. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking, here I am thinking, oh, it'll be the nice disco boopy with uh, John Travolta. He'll dance. He'll do that finger point thing. I'll get to hear the Bee Gees. There's a rape scene at the end. Thank you. Thank you for that. And then there's also a suicide. Thank you. Squall. And this is all like the last 10 minutes, and at the end, he goes up to like the really hot girl that he was ignoring that, that the girl who got raped for. Just ignoring her and just, yeah, whatever, chick. And then he goes up to her and he's like, hey, I'm really sorry I attempted to rape you. <laughs> and the movie has a happy ending. Sorry, but you know, I didn't even get in all the way, so it doesn't count. Or I'm going to go dance on the sidewalk. I mean, was... are you suggesting that John Travolta invented the Ben Roethlisberger defense? <laughs> John Travolta's great dick dancing down the sidewalk. I mean, there's a lot to say about the movie otherwise. It's a... I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I mean, the, ignore all the fact that everyone put in, obviously, a lot of really hard work. The music is pretty damn good. And, like, there's obviously a story behind all this. I went up to a man who's in his mid to late 50s, and I told him, hey, I watched uh, Saturday Night Fever. And he was just like, oh, cool, that's great. And, uh, and I was just like, yeah, how do you feel about the rape scene in there? And his eyes were like, what? He didn't even remember. And I think that that's true for everyone who watched this back in the 70s. It issued like a, another like resurgence of disco fever or whatever in the United States. People weren't watching this. They, they, they didn't watch all the way to the end. They were necking in the back of the theater. They didn't see the rape scene. I mean, everyone, they're familiar with the poster. They're familiar with the music. I don't think they actually watched this. Maybe you paid for the ticket, but you left early. Because there's a rape scene there, and it kills the entire movie for me. Yeah, it's a different time, Chris. You know, a man could dance I, and commit you know, sexual I'm the assault. one who always makes that excuse, because people said a lot of racist stuff in the 70s, and 50s, and 60s. Last and week today, on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> actually, there's... Yeah, that's the thing. Is there's a lot Like two of, minutes ago, they got cut out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you hear an like abrupt really... jump and then laughter, just assume I said something incredibly <laughs> racist. See, see, that's the thing. Is uh, There's a homophobic scene in the movie. And it's one thing for like John Travolta to just call this character a fag. But it's a completely different thing for the movie to portray these two homosexual characters in a really stereotypical, like, kind of insulting way. And it, it, it doesn't make you feel good when you watch it. You, you can't really identify. This is a movie about assholes, and I can't really defend it. But uh, I'm going to pick it back off the movie Polar for you guys. Uh, <laughs> you guys seem to have, uh, quote-unquote, enjoyed it. Uh, two actors who were in that movie, Marsha Mason and Richard Dreyfuss, were also in a very celebrated 1977 movie called The Goodbye Girl. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss actually ended up winning the Oscar for this. And I will say this, his performance is very much love it or hate it. Uh, I actually kind of loved it, mostly because apparently it was based on Harlan Ellison, ching And uh, the other thing about it is it's like <laughs> one of the like really stereotypical uh, romantic comedies. Uh, Marsha Mason plays perhaps the dumbest woman who's ever lived. And uh, it's almost irredeemable how stupid her character is. But uh, there's a happy ending at all of it, and everyone's happy, and it's a happy movie. And yeah. Anyway, 
Alex, sometimes you bump nuts, and sometimes the nuts bump you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> a wizard never forgets his debts, and I can't, in fact, levitate. I watched 2018's The Grinch. Oh, my goodness. Why? Because he had to. Because the bump. Oh, nuts. yes. It was assigned by me. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't do this voluntarily. How did you? Uh, oh, internet. That's right. Yeah, like, yeah. Where the fuck did yeah, you see it, that? It leaked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one penny theater still playing the Grinch in yeah. January 2019. Like, I not, went down to the Nickelodeon on Fifth Street. A lot of sleep today. <laughs> so I mean, me neither, bro. Okay, so here's the thing about the Grinch. This movie is for babies. If you liked it, you're a baby. If you're like, say, like five years old and you're listening to this podcast, first of all. Put mommy or daddy. First of all, you have incredible parents. <laughs> yeah, your parents are incredibly powerful. We love you. Patrick Willis is your father. <laughs> Just imagine him playing this for his fucking class in Idaho. <laughs> I was like, teacher, I think there was a really abrupt edit over there. Look, guys, I'm doing the best I can. Anyway, uh, if you're five years old and you watch The Grinch and you liked it, no offense, but you're a fucking baby and you wear diapers and you can't come in my clubhouse. Because every single like joke, line, idea, thought in this movie is for infants. And that, it actually kind of bugs me because the original Grinch is really, really good. And the remake with Jim Carrey was awful. We already did an episode about it. Go check it out. But this one's just so bad. There's just nothing funny about it. I think the worst part about it, everyone praises like, oh, everything in this movie sucks. But the animation is good. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are working hard on it. But put it to like Gunbuster, all right? Gunbuster, the animation, it, it informs a character. It's like, this character feels like this. And you can tell because of the way that they're drawn and their their eyes are doing this and their mouth is doing this and you can see what they what they think what they feel what they want because of the animation and this is just constant motion things are just moving along and there's nothing funny about it it's awful i i couldn't recommend it in good conscience to anyone but the one thing i want to talk about this is ostensibly a christmas movie and you know there's been a lot of stuff talking about you know get the christ back in christmas whatever at one point, they sing the song God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, which has the word Christ in it. And they mention Christ in a Dr. I don't like Seuss that thought movie. in my head. I don't like thinking that there's a God and that birthed him. Exactly. I don't care for that. So, so here's the thing. How do you think the... Do you think Jesus died for the Who's? Do you oh, think Jesus if we go into Grinch. one of their... Do they have a church where there's like a crucifix and, and he's got a crown of thorns? Can I get my phone and call up my good friend Joel? <laughs> That's a good question. We really should play the Halo theme song as he explains <laughs> what Jesus would be like. I heard like Grinch. three notes. I'm like, all right, I'm making a Halo song joke about this. <laughs> it was actually a generic Gregorian chant, which doesn't say a lot about the guy who composed that theme for Halo. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Grinch is bad. If you like it, you suck. Uh, then I watched uh, Back on My Bullshit again, a 1933 black and white movie called 42nd Street. The one thing that's really good about this is the fact that they show all the really, really hard work that it takes and took to put on like a big musical back in those days. And I don't think that a lot of movies do that as much as they should. I like seeing, it's like the training montage is usually one of my favorite scenes in any movie because there's a lot of work that goes into making like a really good sports team or a really good box or whatever. But other than that, it's 1933, it's black and white, and no racist jokes. So, progressive for the era. Alex. Not recommended. Tell me about what you recommend. Tell, tell me about what you watch, Alex. Buddy. 
I'm so excited. <laughs> Buddy, I have had a powerful week. You ever have one of those weeks where just, like, the idea of leaving the house for any reason is just completely repulsive to you? Is that rhetorical? <laughs> Yeah, it's this past week. I was mostly asking Chris, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> My neat nest is so strong. So I watched a lot, and some of it I'll be able to breeze over, and some of it is going to be, I'll let you guys know, is earmarked for future content, because it was a powerful week. The first thing I watched is a movie called Hours. Now, Hours stars our good friend, the late, great Paul Walker. Oh, who's at the place. who's at the hospital with his wife who's about to give birth and then hurricane katrina happens oh my god oh. no oh <laughs> so his wife dies in childbirth no the baby is born like six weeks early and needs to be on a respirator for 48 hours Fuck they evacuate me. the hospital but paul walker can't leave so it's just 90 minutes of paul walker a baby in a box a dog and occasionally some looters and that's the movie and it's actually really gripping and, like, actually really well acted and really good. And I was kind of shocked by it. I miss him so I much. I said the same thing about Ghost Bank or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we can't trust each other now. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. I had trust issues before the show started. Now, I'm just, I will die alone and scared. Right. Wait, when did I say that about the Ghost Bank? I've never seen that movie. No, I said that. I said that. Did about you? The Ghost Bank. Oh, I'll get to that. Yeah, I'll get to that eventually, just for your sake. Just, we no need to good. establish the you trust. Watched again. it too. No, but like ours was like surprisingly good. Like I just saw Paul Walker's face, and Hurricane Katrina was happening, and just popped it on, and then I actually got this drama that I was really, really into that kept me awake like forty-five minutes longer than I was expecting to be awake. Like it's kind of gimmicky, but it works really well. So then I watched a movie that I've had on my radar for a little while called Anna and the Apocalypse. So I had a couple friends recommend this to me. Just like very like casually. Just like, yeah, it's really good. You'll like it. They just neglected to mention that this movie has songs in it. Which... Uh, sure does. I was, oh boy, you didn't see the trailers? I was blindsided by the fact that this was a musical. Absolutely oh, oh. 100% blindsided by it. That said, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, oh, really? So, it passed the baseline musical test for me of... It's a musical and also a zombie movie, so naturally it has a gigantic fucking cast. I cared more than Zero when a couple of them died, and one of the songs was still stuck in my head five days later. So, it checks those boxes. There is an absolutely incredible sequence in the second act of this movie where a dude just gets aggressively friend-zoned, like harder than I've seen a dude get friend-zoned in a movie for a long time. Then the Chads show up and sing a song and beat up some zombies. And oh, yeah. then the friend zone guy gets eaten by zombies. <laughs> just want to say representation matters. It is wonderful. <laughs> just, like, you can tell that this guy's, like, in love with the main character the whole time. She shuts him down in a real, real brutal way. <laughs> and Chads with baseball bats beat up zombies while singing a song. And then he dies. <laughs> it is, it's wonderful. Um, I, I, I gotta say, uh, the only reason that I don't want to see it is in the trailer, there's a moment where the guy goes, Oh my god, Justin Bieber's a zombie. And I was just like, okay. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's not cool. funny, and they're way too British for my liking. But <laughs> the only thing... That <laughs> no, that's that's a good point, though, actually. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry. It really yeah. got me. <laughs> too fucking British. I'm, I'm not sick wrong. of it. I mean, I'm gonna sign you a fucking Monty Python thing. Oh god. 
I really hope no, I saw it in You said school. we could veto things, so... <laughs> um, the only other thing that I want to say, because, like, I'm not very well-versed in, like, the Christmas horror genre, there's a scene in this movie where they're basically being chased through a Christmas tree farm, and the way it's shot, I feel like this should just be in every Christmas horror movie, because it was gripping in this fucking high school musical-ass zombie movie. Like... It was just the the haunted house scene from every Halloween horror movie, except at Christmas time with a bunch of Christmas trees in a gym, and I was so there for it. I'm I mean, so excited. It was like two and a half minutes of the movie, but like for those two and a half minutes, I was locked in. So then I watched a movie. Right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was just saying. Okay, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. So, so then I watched a movie called First Kill. So let me set up First Kill. Our good friend Hayden Christensen is an effete Wall Street banker whose son is getting bullied at school. So he decides, you know what? I need to take him up to my family's cabin in the woods and teach him how to hunt. That'll make a no. man out of him. No. They'll stop bullying him then. So he takes his son up there. His son's, like, not really thrilled about it because he just wants to play video games. I don't know, Fortnite or something. Whatever. And they're out hunting. And they witness this dude shoot another dude in the woods over some sort of bank robbery payment. The shooter notices them, so Hayden Christensen grabs the rifle, shoots him in the head. Turns out he's an undercover cop. (laughs) So they rescue the other guy, who wakes up after being medically treated after being shot, and kidnaps his son and runs off into the woods. They need help, you know? Like, there's the stuff's going on. Uh, Hayden Christensen doesn't want to out the fact that he shot a cop, so he turns to the town sheriff, played by Bruce Willis. Ah, oh, I'm in. <laughs> this movie came out like 2017, 2018, and it was very clearly direct to DVD. If this came out like 15 years earlier, this is like this movie probably makes like 25, 30 million dollars in theaters, and like people are still talking about it. Like, it's actually not bad. The, the worst part of it is it's just very on the nose with the, like, not necessarily Trump stuff, but Trump-adjacent stuff. Just, like, yeah. the Wall Street banker shit, like, it gets really heavy-handed, and the police are the bad guys, and the guy that kidnapped his son only did it because he lost his health insurance, has to take care of his sick mom. And it's just, it's very heavy-handed with that stuff. But this movie takes a fucking turn at the end that's actually worth watching for. I was, like, surprisingly really, really into this Bruce Willis Hayden Christensen directed DVD movie. Then I watched someone is powerful. Yeah. Then I watched Polar, which we talked about. Then I watched a movie called Blackwater. Oh, so jealous. <laughs> so this movie is Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren in a CIA black site prison that is also a submarine. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say because this movie fucking sucks. Shocking. But uh, the submarine in this movie is, like, size-wise the equivalent of the Fast 6 runway. <laughs> oh, no. Like, it might be an eight-story office building just underwater. It is absolutely absurd. You never see any, like, outside shots or anything to clue you in on the fact that it's a submarine. Except for them telling you that you're on a submarine. It's real not good. You can skip it. Don't worry. Damn. Then I watched <laughs> that attitude. Then I watched a movie called Howl. Now, Chris, you've seen Train to Busan. Yes. Howl is Train to Busan, except ninety minutes long. Instead of zombies, there are werewolves. The entire cast what? is British, 
and it's not that good. Damn it! Oh, I just was halfway through writing it down. <laughs> Honest, no, honestly, like it's it's watchable. How do you get it's halfway watchable. through writing down how? It's three letters. How? Don't worry about with it. with an L. Excuse my accent. I'm oh, from the south. All right, never mind. It's four letters. <laughs> you looking um, for the keys? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the the monster design was decent. The action and stuff was decent. There are some quality kills in it. They chain up the one lady that's been bitten because her husband refuses to let him kill her, and then she turns and murders him, which, you know, basically everything you expect from a werewolf movie on a train. It's it's fine. It's watchable. You can do worse. Then I watched a movie Parker watched last week called Abominable, which the only thing that I'll say about this that Parker didn't already say is this movie came out in 2006, and until I looked it up, I thought it came out in, like, 1993. Because the film is just so fucking grainy. Unwatchable. It is... It is... It's something else. But Squatch kills a lot of people, and... Fucking... Lance Henriksen does a Wilhelm screen. And that's all I need. It's incredible. That is... That sounds like a movie right there. That is all I fucking need. Then I watched another movie that Parker watched a while back, called Man of Tai Chi. Oh, yes. You guys. You guys. It's so fucking good. Man of Tai Chi is on Netflix, and if you don't watch it, don't talk to me. This is a Chinese movie where everybody speaks Chinese except Keanu Reeves, who is the bad guy. It's so fucking good. This movie is basically blood sport with, like, Tai Chi. Can we talk about the reveal that he's the bad guy, which is a cold open of two dudes fighting, and the winner's told to kill the other dude and he doesn't, so Keanu Reeves just walks in and breaks the guy's neck. It's so he walks in guess. wearing a mask, breaks the guy's <laughs> neck, and then takes it off and reveals that he's Keanu Reeves. It's so It's incredible. Good. It is. This movie, 10 out of 10. Like, I hope Keanu Reeves directs more movies because this movie fucking rules. It's a shame that no one has seen it because it's fucking great. It's just a, it's like everything you want in a dumb action movie. And Keanu Reeves is the bad guy. Like, it's flawless. This movie is just chef kiss. Because everyone's speaking fluent Chinese, and it's just, oh, it's just <laughs> grunting, kill him. <laughs> All of the fight scenes are incredible in this movie, including the last one where Keanu Reeves fights an actual martial artist. It's so fucking good. It's, uh, I'm not going to go too much into it because Parker's brought it up before. Like, do yourself a favor and watch this. So I watched this one, what was that, Monday or Tuesday night? Monday night, I think. And you know... We, uh, we were watching on Rabbit. We were logged into our buddy's Netflix. And so the movie ends and we're like, he fell asleep. Let's put a bunch of dumb shit in his Netflix queue. So we pull it up. We see that he still has the Mana Tai Chi search in. And we see a movie in the corner called Revenger, which none of us had heard of. It's uh, like a Netflix Korean movie. It came out like two weeks ago. It doesn't have a proper IMDb title, page so. yet. So what? we're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going in blind on Revenger. Revenger fucking slaps, dude. Can't so let wait. me set it up for you. Um, there is an there is a prison island that twelve Asian countries put their their most wanted criminals on. Sold. You go to the island and you realize it's not a prison at all. It's just a fucking island that's filled with criminals. They drop the guy off after uh, after a girl and her mom get chased through the woods by all these goons that are trying to do who knows what with them. He's in a straitjacket. He beats the shit out of, like, 20 guys without using his arms. 
rescues them. He uh, he takes them back to like the the little girl takes them back to the place where their like little companion of like the quote unquote good guys on Prison Island live. And this is where the movie gets interesting because like everyone in the camp is basically a comic relief character, but all of them are really really fucking funny. This is like eighty five percent like serious action movie that has like you know, like villains and sub villains and the guy you know kicks a guy into a vat of blood and there's just. The body count in this movie is at least three digits. And then there's just these yeah. comic relief guys running around, like, doing dances, and one of them has a hook for a hand. And it somehow works, even though it shouldn't. I I can't even explain it. Like, like there's this one guy I was watching with Repick, who we just referred to as Face Guy, because I'm pretty sure he has, like, two lines of dialogue total. But in all of their, like, group dances, he's just in the background waving his arms around like an idiot and, like, making, like, an O face with his mouth. Face Guy's death hit me real hard because Face Guy fucking rules. Rest in peace. Uh, movie for me. <laughs> this movie, also 10 out of 10. Like, fantastic action movie. A lot of really, really satisfying kills. You can tell that whoever made this movie, like, was really into James Bond because all of, like, the sub-villains are basically, like, Bond henchmen. Like, there's a guy that walks around who's a hunchback with two swords on his back. There's a big, beefy dude who has braces who is basically Korean Jaws. Um, <laughs> I'm it's, in. I'm it's, in. It's real good. You will absolutely appreciate this movie. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, um, there was a, uh, a South Park joke coming later in this. Uh-uh. So, my one problem with this movie. The little girl that's in this movie, she says Ma, like... Ma. Ma. <laughs> like the fucking dying giraffe. And she does it about a hundred times to the point that I was desperately rooting for one, either her or her mom, one of the ostensibly good characters, to die just so I'd never hear it again. It was driving me fucking batty. Just every time. Ma. Ma. Wait, isn't that what Archer did when he lost his hearing? Ma. <laughs> Ma. <laughs> He's going to get tinnitus. <laughs> so at this point, we had watched two incredibly powerful movies back to back. Why not try to go three for three on Netflix? So we pulled up a movie called The Humanity Bureau. Now let me set up oh The Humanity God. Bureau for you. Oh my this goodness. all comes to you in a text scroll in the first 45 seconds. So America has been a desolate hellscape for the last 30 years. There are so walls around all of the ago. borders. Correct. Everything is just, like, this, like, nuclear wasteland, except for, like, these cities. There are people that live out in the country still. And there's this thing called the Humanity Bureau. And the Humanity Bureau's job is to go out into the country, interview these people, determine if they're contributing enough to society or not. And if they're not, they get sent to a resettlement camp called New Eden. So we then join Humanity Bureau agent Nicolas Cage (laughs) as he goes on a run to this old guy's apartment. He gets in there, he basically explains to the old guy, like, you're not productive, we're sending you to New Eden. The old guy gets all up in arms and says, I'm an American citizen, damn it! I died at the White House once! It cuts to a picture on the wall of him shaking hands with a president. Parker, you have three guesses to guess which president created Hellworld. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. When did this come out? Like, last year. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd swerve me and say Hillary Clinton. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, no. 
No, this Hillary is... Shilton. <laughs> President Herman Cain. We just see this fucking dude in his youth shaking hands with Donald Trump. He gets in a gunfight with Nicolas Cage. They ship him off to camp. So in Nicolas Cage, you know, there's a little bit of plot exposition. He has to go out and get this mother and son. You know, he interviews him, tells him, sorry, you're not, you guys aren't good enough. You're not going to make the cut. Has a change of heart, quits his job, takes them with him, and is on the run for an hour or so. Um, they go around, they encounter a bunch of, like, various desert people that are living, like, uh, like hobos. We find out that New Eden is actually a death camp. It's not for resettlement at all. They just have gas chambers and they murder people. What? We, yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy that American hell world is like this. They find out from some of the people that are out there that uh, apparently Canada's still okay if you can get to the border. But the border's heavily, heavily militarized because, you know, we have this wall around all our borders. The wall is mentioned several times. Yeah, the orange Cheeto Man president. So they're like, oh, it's okay, you guys can get through, but it's this area that's, like, highly radioactive because there was this nuclear plant that had a meltdown, so no one can go near it. So they drive up for a while, they hide from some drones, you know, typical, you know, futuristic, post-apocalyptic shit. They get to the border, they drive past the nuclear power plant, the guy's got a guy, Nicolas Cage has a Geiger counter, and he's like, oh, that's weird. There's no radiation here. And they get to the border, and there's no wall. And then the woman in the car with him looks into the camera and says, Yeah, it turns out it's easier to, to build fear than build walls. <laughs> Guys. Orange man bad. That's <laughs> so fucking terrible. Guys, I was so fucking angry. So they get to Canada, where everything is fine, but Nicolas Cage's old colleagues track him down. They shoot Nicolas Cage and the lady in the head. <laughs> the kid that's with them, who was revealed ten minutes ago to actually be his son, despite not being alluded to at any point at any other spot in the movie. Yeah, fine. <laughs> he runs off with this thing that he gave him. He meets the Resistance. Oh, fucking kill me. Please. He gives them a video card, which is just a video of Nicolas Cage explaining, I used to work for the Humanity Bureau. New Eden is a death camp. We need to rise up and take these people down. Which they then broadcast all of America. We get some stock footage of a bunch of riots. All the hillbillies from earlier in the movie get in their cars and start driving to the city and say, Yeah, we got a revolution! And then the movie ends. It's I was turn. hoping it would end at them just saying there's no wall and then credits roll. That's easier I to build fear. <laughs> just smash cut to Sugar Colt playing or some shit. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> hate this movie so much. But it has Nicolas Cage, so like two stars. That, you <laughs> that's, know, uh, that's fair. You know, we have to have a conversation about Nicolas Cage, and we've had a lot of conversations about him. Is he one of America's most beloved citizens? I think he ought to be. I feel like for a while there, he was kind of more of a joke than he is now, and now everyone's just kind of warmed up to him. Like, even his down period, like, in the grand scheme of things of how long he's been making movies, not that long. Yeah. Like... I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried for, uh, for his sake, or at least a public perception's sake. I hope people aren't just treating him as a joke, you know? Because I think he's a little bit more than a joke. The joke is part of him. That joke is a central part of who he is and what he is. And I would never take it away. But he's also very much fun to watch. And you cannot be fun to watch unless you have some sort of talent. And to his and again, credit... His performance of like Mom and Dad and Mandy. Come on. He tries in every single movie he's in. He exactly. You've he never has seen him never turn in a clunker. He has never mailed it in, and I respect the hell out of him for it. 
And I mean, that says so much about him. Like, to more pointedly answer your question, I think during, like, Ghost Rider Wicker Man era Nick Cage, like, he was a laughingstock. And since then, since he's been doing all of these direct-to-DVD movies that nobody fucking sees, like, the cult of Nicolas Cage is rebuilt. I think, him, like, as well it should. Him announcing, hey, I'm gonna be in this Lovecraft movie made by the guy who made Hardware. Like, I'm fucking in. Hardware's one of those bonkers fucking Exactly. All of a sudden, seen. Lovecraft is good now. I mean, yeah, we have a couple things in common. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Alright, Alex, you watch anything uh, else? I have one more that I want to talk about this week, which is, uh, I watched a movie yesterday called Proof of Life. So Proof of Life is, is anti-abortion a, movie. A 2000 movie. Uh, it came out in 2000. Stars Prime Russell Crowe, and like slightly post-Prime Meg Ryan. Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, yeah. And the plot is basically that Meg Ryan's husband gets kidnapped by some South American drug lords, and Russell Crowe is this like big shot hostage negotiator that's got to try to get him out. The movie works real, real fucking well, mostly because it's the most Australian I've ever seen somebody let Russell Crowe be. David Caruso is in this movie, and boy, is he in this movie. Now we're talking. Oh, hell yeah. David Caruso in this movie is, like, throwing 113 mile an hour curveballs. Like, (laughs) dear fucking lord. I think it's one of those situations where just nobody told him, not just what movie he was in, but that there were other people in the movie at all. Because he's just, like, shouting over every scene, and it is a sight to behold. Speaking of a guy who got turned into a joke, who just never half-asses it, is always going for it. God bless him. I mean, apparently the reason that he doesn't get work is because he's just a grade-A asshole like Matthew Fox. But, man... I, I'm gonna have to watch some more of the David Crusoe catalog coming up because holy <laughs> shit, this movie he is just dialing it up to 14. I'm excited for you to watch Session 9 and report back to me. Oh yeah, that's that's it's on so the powerful. list. It's gonna powerful. get to Body of Lies. Gonna get to a lot of things. Oh like, my goodness. <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie actually, it I really forgot what a big star Russell Crowe was. And I really want to just dive into some Russell Crowe movies now. So, like, whenever we're done recording, I'm probably going to watch Like Confidential, which I haven't seen in a solid 15 years. So The two, 2000s were That's fucking weird, movie. huh? Yeah. Well, Like Confidential's 97. I'm going to watch Master and Commander, 2003. Yeah, Master and Commander's real good. I, I can't believe that That's movie what I keep hearing. it did. See, that's the thing is my parents did the exact same thing. They went out to watch that while I watched Pirates of the Caribbean, and they're like, wow, that movie was fantastic. Yeah, it's really, really fucking good. Like, I miss yeah. Russell Crowe being an A-list movie star. And now we get him in The Mummy doing that. All right, we'll watch Virtuosity oh. next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only other things I watched, um, I watched Serenity, which I have more to say than I could possibly even hint at, but that's in everyone's future, so I'm going to hold it. And I watched Burning Again, which is absolutely the best movie of 2018. Everyone should watch it. I'm not going to talk about it till Chris sees it. I'm going to get to it as quickly as I can. All right. Without further ado, let's talk about Devil. Again. Not Elevator. Should I call it Elevator? It's yeah. fine. It's yeah. fine. It's whatever. I'm not mad. So this movie was not directed by M. Night Shyamalan. If we talk about the direction here, we're not criticizing M. Night Shyamalan. The only reason we'd ever criticize him for this is because he came up with a story, which is stupid, and he produced it. And, you know, production is kind of like a nebulous thing. It could be, you know, a whole lot of stuff goes on there. 
so the movie kind of starts off with like it's it's called like Night Visions One or something like that. This is supposed to be part of a series. I don't know that there would be a Devil Two, although there was apparently supposed to be a sequel, which is one of the dumbest ideas I've ever heard in my in life. In what? Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fine. Not gonna waste the brain energy getting mad at that. That's fine. Exactly, because they they never ended up doing it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Alex, tell me about the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to <laughs> look at those wacky credits. They are certainly something. They I mean, are... worse than the credits is the opening fucking biblical quote that says, "Look out for the devil. He's very, very naughty." Thank you. I had no idea. You guys know the devil's fucking quote has nothing to do the with the first movie. thing you see is a biblical quote at the start of an eighty-minute movie about an evil elevator it's so <laughs> fucking cool the only thing i learned from that quote is only a break can wield the wand so anyway <laughs> yeah. god fuck off you know what fuck netflix i think i'm yeah. done i'm canceling yeah, my... yeah, right? yeah. no i i am 100 right there with you after you watch revenge I, I, I think you should be so this is narrated by a character simply called ramirez and the idea is that ramirez. his grandmother would Do often tell him stories to fed burger town uh, <laughs> he would, uh, his grandmother would tell him stories about uh, five people being trapped. It starts off with a suicide, and then the Spot. devil kills all of them. <laughs> and that's it. That's the that's the entire story. Is the devil kills everyone? All right, have a good night's sleep. I guess. Why would you tell your your grandson this story? That's that's fucking child abuse. Be like, <laughs> don't forget, the devil's real, and he's going to get you. You know, like this isn't fucking Krampus. You know, you just. <laughs> There should be, like, a moral to stories. It'd be like, and you could be good if you, like, brush your teeth or something. I don't know. Like, it's it's a fucking dumb idea. And it's something that M. Night Shyamalan does a lot. It's like, I'm a storyteller, but it's like, stories have to have, like, a point. Okay, you know? first of all, have to be the, idea of you being a, the idea of you being a lifelong Catholic and be like, why are they saying these awful, terrifying things about the devil to children? <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, oh you, you really want to come at my Catholicism with a movie like this? Yes. Really? Where they this portray the devil part. like this? Are you That's the best part me? of the movie. Oh, I come love on, he's not that scary, guys. <laughs> what I love about this movie so much is it says, no, no, this is not like a metaphor. This title is not like an allegory. The devil is real, and he's in that elevator, and it and takes so it stupid. deadly seriously. There's not an ounce oh. of like, hey, this is kind of silly, right? No, this is... The life and death, the battle for a man's soul inside this elevator. Which, by the way, again, really stupid concept. So anyway, like I said, M. Night Shyamalan didn't write the dialogue. He just wrote the story. They had a different screenwriter. And that, at first, I thought was a really good thing. I actually said out loud, no, the dialogue isn't that bad. That was right before I heard the words, why don't you suck a butt? Yeah, <laughs> that happened. I could have this movie, actually. Yeah. So the next thing I said out loud was... Well, the performances aren't so bad, with far more trepidation in my voice. I, I will stand by that. I think the performances were really the not The performances bad. were fine, but, like, within yeah. two minutes of them getting in the elevator, you're rooting for all of these people to die. They are all <laughs> miserable, awful people, and you want them to pay with their lives. As soon as the Schnozberries guy <laughs> calls the black guy dog, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> this, this 80 minutes might feel a bit longer. Yeah, can you imagine being stuck in an elevator with that mattress salesman? Oh my god, 
He is so lucky he didn't get, like, popped in the nose. I'm pretty sure if, like, we could actually see what happened during all the dark scenes, like, the devil killed everyone else, but somebody in that elevator killed him. <laughs> That'd be a good twist. Like, yeah. What did he do wrong? Like, oh, no, just fuck that dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we the lights went out and he saw his chance. He just... <laughs> <right> <laughs> <in the throat. laughs> oh, no, how did that happen? <laughs> oh... I also want to talk about the sound effects. Like, they're mostly just mediocre, but there's one that really gets me. Again, I'm kind of like a sound guy. And the scene where that plate of glass falls, and it almost hits that guy, it has nothing to do with the devil, by the way. It's just, remember, you're supposed to be scared. This is the threat, I mean, horror. And uh, as soon as it hits the ground, it makes the sound effect like... Like, like it's a fucking Spider-Man shooting a web. It's like the dumbest <laughs> my, sound effect I've ever heard. I think my favorite thing about the entire conceit of this movie... Is that the 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 action that gets the plot in motion is only coincidentally related to the devil? <laughs> like, yeah, some dude jumped out That's of a true. building and killed himself. So now all this stuff's happening. But like, okay, <laughs> the strands that are tied together to make this be like, no, actually, the devil did all of this. The first like five minutes, like, ah, so he's over here. So he landed on the car, and then the car drove over here. It makes no fucking sense it's whatsoever. Like, like the fact that the you can tell that they just didn't have enough from the story and had to flesh it out with all the police stuff, like as they're trying to investigate and figure out who the people are, which I actually like mm-hmm. didn't hate. Like I thought it gave the movie something of like, oh, maybe maybe we're like smart detectives, we can figure out who's the murderer in this elevator. I was fine yes, the- with it, but also like, why was it here? <laughs> it's a classic case of like, all right, uh, we don't have enough footage for this part of the movie. Well, it's due tomorrow, so just. You just can turn it in. <laughs> like, yeah, it makes sense, right? Margins, et <laughs> so the uh, cinematography was by Tak Fujimoto. I'll make you go ahead. Uh, make a joke about Tak and the power of Juju. I'm sorry, what? Okay, that's your, t- that's your yeah. territory. Oh my god, that just reminded me of something else that I watched. Oh, no. Okay, can, can I finish my thought and then you'll get on yes. Okay, so there's a number of scenes inside the elevator where characters are looking directly at the camera, which is something that, it, uh, that M. Night Shyamalan and Quentin Tarantino both do a lot. Very different directors, by the way. Uh, I liked it in this movie, and part of it was because there's no way you're going to be able to film in that type of spot without someone looking directly at the camera every once in a while, but it also kind of like feels like it puts you in there. It's really good for immersion, so that's the best thing about the movie. Alex, your thought? Oh, I was just going to say that I started Beyblade. (laughs) 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 I forgot to write it down because I watched the second episode like right before we recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Do we even need to say anything more about this? No, I'll I'll save my Beyblade takes for next week. It's fine. Thank you. Attack of the Power Juice, you just reminded me of the bad guy in the second episode of Beyblade. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, so my biggest complaint about the devil in this movie is that the movie sort of cheapens the devil. It kind of makes him lame. He's supposed to be the father of lies, the sower of discontent. He's supposed to be in and around everything, omnipresent. He can buy, locate. So he's just like one person at a time here. You know, he just makes spooky faces in front of an elevator camera. That's I mean, all. And he, he bites... <laughs> people now that's what he does devil's got a lot of free time that's the devil my problem with it is just like okay so the devil's justice wargrave from and then they were done now like because this this movie is literally and then there were none it's a bunch of people who did something wrong in an elevator one of them dies but oh they're not really dead they're the devil (laughs) get it guys you read agatha christie remember when that happens anything wrong 
It's so cool that he gets Most a story credit for being like... Wrong. One of them is serially dishonest. <laughs> one of them assaults people every once in a while. Uh, the other one is just kind of a jerk. The other one accidentally killed two people. That, that's enough. Didn't one of that's them have, it? like, an entire, like, bag full of wallets? <laughs> it was a I lot of I don't remember which one that was. I think it was the lady that had stink face the whole time, but I could be wrong. Uh, maybe. Either way. I, I, I just... Why is, Why does the devil take his time with all this? He is the devil! He could just kill all of them. I know the answer because then you don't have a movie, but, like, you're the devil. You could, Why do you take your time? Why are you playing with your food? It's, it is important so, to note that the fact that it's the devil that did this is completely inconsequential to anything else in the movie. Like, it could have been anybody. It could have been one of the people in the elevator. It makes functionally zero difference. You know what? It really shouldn't have been the devil, but unfortunately you named your movie Devil. If you had just made it a killer, then it would have been a lot better. You don't have to make it... Why Why not make it fucking Cthulhu or something? God, could you, you imagine know, just, if the if the Shyamalan twist of this movie was that there were two devils in the elevator? I think one of the more famous sequences in the movie is when Ramirez decides to talk about when the devil is near, everything bad happens. Toast lands jelly side down. This He doesn't just say it. <laughs> he demonstrates... He picks up a piece of toast and drops it and goes, oh no. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? You don't understand. Toast falls jelly side down, children hit tables, and people get hurt. Children hit tables. <laughs> if only he had a small child instead of that toast. Children get the tables. See, that's the thing is I couldn't tell if the movie was playing it for jokes, you know. And then he says, like, really drawn out, you have to understand the possibility then one of those people could be the devil. And the, and the detective was just like, oh my god, will you get your head in the game? So, and the audience is like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, that'd be and really stupid we spend, if we like, to see a movie that was literally named Devil. <laughs> then we spend the next 20 minutes like, oh no, there's actually, they all have these ties to these people, and this person was supposed to go to this meeting, and this person knows this person, and then the twist is like, no, it was actually literally the devil. Yeah. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, that's the thing. Is how so does cool. it count as a twist? Like, well, No, it can't count as a twist, because it's like, how was there intrigue and suspicion surrounding like the security card? Because he's tied to the company that uh, the woman is going to divorce that guy. Like, the movie's called Devil. We already know it's about (laughs) the devil, you know? Why did they call it Devil? Right? You couldn't call it anything else. You don't call it Elevator. That's such a shitty title. So, people are getting picked off one by one, and I think, like, by this point, two people have died. And the detective and the head of the elevator decide to go leave and investigate something else who knows and who do they leave in charge who has the uh, microphone to the elevator fucking El Superbisto over here who's just decides <laughs> to like sing a fucking rosary for them they're like why is he doing this they're already stressed <laughs> you're out trapped in, you're trapped in an elevator with two corpses all of a sudden you just hear prayer coming in like oh fuck this oh, is how God. it is Joel this is not the time <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, so oh fuck so here's the thing. <laughs> we have to go to St. Helios so, <laughs> so now three of them are dead so it's just those two and they're just like oh I'm going to kill you no I'm going to kill you sort of thing and Ramirez is just like this is what he wants he wants us to doubt everything okay yes that's the idea of the devil writ large but why in this scenario who is he trying to fool we already know because at the end the woman rises up and Ramirez says it's her it's just like okay so we can see the devil we already know who did it now what what is he trying to deceive I think it's just so pointless it's so cool that M. Night Shyamalan read an Agatha Christie book wrote a two page outline and said here you do this 
<laughs> I'll take a producer credit, please. Thank you. <laughs> so here's the worst. Pointless. Pointless really is the best way to describe this movie. Yeah. Like, it is... It's not offensive to right. my sensibilities. Right. It's yeah. just like, why? Why? It why did it pretend? Like, it doesn't even try and drag itself out to 90 minutes. It's just like, all right, credits rolling at 75. He knew what this was when he walked in. Bet you feel stupid. I mean, come on. The movie's only 80 minutes long, and you don't even feel like it's a waste of time. You're just like, well, I, I, I saw things in front of my face for a little bit. It was distracting. That was only like the sixth worst thing I watched this week. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they've seen so much worse. The performances were pretty good. But I want to talk really quickly before we go on about the ending line. Uh, El Superfisto <laughs> over there decides to say, I... if the devil is real, God must be real too. A, terrible ending to a kid story. And B, are we really trying to say that a guy admitting he killed two people in a hit and run is proof of the existence of God? <laughs> I hated the ending of this movie so fucking much. The idea like, that God exists because some guy's like, yeah, I screwed up. That, that's so stupid. It's not even the dumb theology bullshit. Like, this is so much better of a movie if it's left open-ended, where, you know, he goes babbling on about, like, okay, Ramirez, how do we stop this? Like, oh, well, you know, it's really hard. Like, I don't really know. Like, he doesn't seem to have an answer. And you hear the bits about how the, the last person to die always dies in front of the person they love. And then the twist is revealed about him killing the cop's family. And then the cop's going to take him in. If you just roll credits right there and leave the end- the movie open-ended, like, it's so much more compelling. You have something to talk about going out of the theater. Instead, he just rides around in the car and he says, You know, I thought about what I wanted to say to you all these years, I and I forgive you. <laughs> the end. I mean, it was almost like a, like a Law and Order ending, you know? It, it just didn't feel like there was a whole lot of creativity to it. There wasn't yeah, any but, subtlety to it. But when the movie ended, the city was the right side up, not upside down, so you know God is good and the so devil is gone. So, overall, at the end of the day, final conclusion, top three Shyamalan movie. All right, let's move on to the game of games. <laughs> overall, one of the funniest things I've seen all week was the scene in the very beginning, like when the lights first go off. And she's like, oh, don't touch me, black guy. He's like, I'm sorry. When I was young, my brother locked me in a trunk. And then they all just moved on. (laughs) (laughs) It's very watchable. It's quick. It's not offensive at all. It's... When the lights went out for the first time, all I could think about is that part in Snakes on a Plane when the lights first flicker and some guy <laughs> yells, It's the snakes before the snakes have even been revealed. <laughs> I know you did that while watching this. <laughs> I did 100%. I just sat at my computer and look over, the lights are flickering, It's the snakes! <laughs> okay, uh. Three thirty in the fucking. Did anyone watch the Pro Bowl? No. So, well, buddy, I have some bad news for you then. Oh, you hate to see it. Oh, uh, tell us. So, uh, as as all of our listener know, um... <laughs> hurtful, but <laughs> you know who you are, buddy. <laughs> we pulled all of our listeners, and neither of them watched the Pro Bowl either. So, so we we had a bet on which quarter which quarterback would end up with the lowest quarterback rating in the Pro Bowl last week. 
Now, it turns out that both of my draft picks both passed on the Pro Bowl, but I figured I wouldn't I wouldn't be taking many liberties by just plugging their replacements into my team because let's be honest, Chris was getting stuck with Trubisky no matter how you shake it. Oops. <laughs> Fifth pick Dak Prescott over Trubisky in a heartbeat. We all know it. Nobody's fronting here. Nobody's setting up Chris. Yeah. Because unfortunately, Mitchell the Bitchell and his 24.6 quarterback rating. <laughs> fuck did you do that in a Pro Bowl? <laughs> I don't know. To so his credit, he managed to beat out Adam Thielen. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess what we're saying is we have a movie for you, Christopher. Oh, no. Now, Parker, I sent you something earlier in the week that I thought we should assign him. Do you think we should go with it? Yeah. First choice, best All choice. Right. So, you know... You remember, you know, back when we all first started started talking on the blue site. You know, we live shit post games. Yeah. I was thinking earlier in the week about, you know, some of the people that have been left behind that aren't in our lives anymore, you know. The contributions they made, the things that they cared about, you know, the movies that they liked. Yeah. So you're going to watch our good friend Static 3's favorite movie, Pixels. What? Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> What? We hate what? to see it. There's a lot we going just on. Absolutely here. hate to see it. <laughs> How? Who? At least he didn't pick Adam Thielen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really yeah at least he didn't pick Adam Thielen. Was he, was he on the board? Could you have chosen a non-quarterback? I, I assume that I could. Yeah, I think I'm gonna say yes. Kind of open. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! God bless. I was actually I like a little games. bit worried that you'd seen it, not gonna lie. I have not seen Pixels. <laughs> Damn it. For long. <laughs> well, I you still like have... video games, right, Chris? What? You like video games, right? Don't talk to me. Alright, so I still have <laughs> some amount of time here, right? I have, Gamers, rise up. I have I have minutes of content to assign. And I'm going to assign Parker uh, some soon. I'm going to Great. assign Parker some content. Oh Great. yes, you do. I, I I don't even remember what the number of content you have left is. Let me bring that up. Yeah. Well, you also have to subtract uh, some. I already did. Oh, for... I took I took mine out for Gunbuster for yeah. both. I yeah. I took it out twice Ooh. since yeah. both of you watched yeah, it. That's champion. Okay. Uh, that, was, so, uh, that was fair. I am going to assign Parker not a movie, not a TV oh. show, not even Great. a game. I'm going to assign you the first episode of the Krasenstein podcast. Oh fuck yeah, I'm in. <laughs> did you My hear the? Song. Did you hear the like first few seconds of it? I sure did. <laughs> How long is this? I think it's like 47 minutes. Oh, All right, that's it. 40 minutes it is. Less. Love rounding down. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you. God, why did I just write down Chuck and Larry at the bottom of the spreadsheet? Oh, did yeah, I make somebody it. watch this? <laughs> I, I feel like you wanted to assign that. it but didn't want to forget, and now you've forgotten. <laughs> okay, thank you, Chris, for having me open this. <laughs> Alright, so what are we going to do for bets for the Super Bowl? Um, I mean, we can we can keep doing things like we've done for the other playoff games. We ha I have all of that stuff written down, and Parker still has two lifelines, so. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You'll love to see it. All right. Um, in that case, who, who goes first? All right, well, uh, just to update the minute count so everybody knows what they have. Mm -hmm. um, 
after my gunbuster subtraction, I have eleven twenty three. Chris has two oh four, and Parker <laughs> has seven hundred fifty seven. What? Yes. <laughs> That's not a lot of minutes, Chris. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, I realized. You know what, Chris? Since your team's in there, you can go ahead and go first. Great. Just so Parker remembers, he has his well actually and the grinder. <laughs> what, what does the grinder do again? It doubles somebody's wager. Oh, you hate to see that. Oh, good. Um, so what we've got here is the New England Patriots are favored by two and a half points. They are minus one forty on the money line. The Rams are plus one twenty on the money line, and the over under is fifty six and a half. Chris, you're taking the Rams, right? Look, first I want to put, I'll put 30 minutes on the uh, national anthem being under three minutes. Oh God, do we, I should find a (laughs) list of prop bets. (laughs) I don't even know who's singing it. Um, I don't either. Wait, I'll, I'll put 30 minutes on less than two players kneel for the anthem. So zero strong, yeah. strong bet. Yeah. Man, this is this is you a take those teams into account. This. Yeah. Gladys Knight is singing the national anthem, and oh. the over under is the over under is one minute fifty seconds. Oh, I'm going. Uh, I'll take the over on that. Over one minute fifty seconds. Yeah, so, for Gladys Knight, okay, absolutely. Let me um, okay. yeah. get these numbers up. Oh shit! No. Okay, thirty minutes over one fifty natty and okay. And uh, everything else, I'm going to put all my chips on the Patriots outright. Patriots outright. So that is another hundred and seventy-four minutes on that's wow. money line. Parker. Actually. Parker. (laughs) (laughs) What she meant to say. (laughs) Take those those rams. Throw them deep in the grinder. (laughs) You can't take the lifelines home with you, buddy. (laughs) He's not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. He is not wrong. The list of things you hate to see. It's it's definitely that. I I saw that coming. I I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, if you guys happen. if you guys manage to find a prop bet that you want to do, like by all means, like I will honor it. Just make sure it's real. No uh, promises. Yeah, Parker, you're up next. Seven hundred fifty-seven minutes. You can wager whatever the hell you want. Let's do two hours on Patriots outright while I look for more props. Alright. So, 120 minutes at Moneyline. Okay. Wow, going head to head after Chris surprisingly took the Rams. <laughs> Shut the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm not actually mad. You know, I'm going to be driving to work. I'm going to be like, God, fuck, why did I take the Rams? Yeah. <laughs> what possessed me in that moment oh, to choose the right? If only I believed in my own team. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you have a little sweetener if the Patriots manage to lose this game. <laughs> Will Jim Nance or Tony Romo say Philly special? 
DS is plus 250, no is minus 330. How is yes plus 250? Of course they're going to say it. Slamming on that yes. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Where are you looking these up? This one just took me to... God, where am I? I don't know what for the win is. It was just the first result for prompt. It's a gamer term. Will Dilly Dilly be said during a Bud Light commercial? That's a powerful bet. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll go ahead and give off one of mine that I like a lot. Um, so I am going to be putting two hours, 120 minutes, on over two and a half players to throw a touchdown at four to one. Ooh. Whoa. Oh, I like that. Edelman, here we come. It's such a stupid bet, but you know we're going to get Johnny Heckard. I need it. Or Edelman. I think the dream here is that Hecker, Edelman, and Brady all throw touchdowns and Goff doesn't. I think Brandon Coates <laughs> will beat uh, him in touchdowns. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to make my uh my big wager right now. I'm going to put 450 minutes on the under. Probably That's a good probably idea. Strong. 45 minutes. No, it's a zero. 450. There we go. Yeah. I uh I think these teams are better defensively than people are giving them credit for since we've had to hear about millennial brain genius Sean McVay for basically Ooh. forever. God, they're gonna get curb stomped. I mean, I hope not for my good friend Chris's sake. <sighs> yeah, because we're friends. Did you did you double my bet too with a lifeline? <laughs> of course I did. I couldn't hear. It. <laughs> <laughs> Only I believed in my own team. <laughs> you hate to see it to get through this whole season with the most overrated quarterback in history. <laughs> Just to biff it at the very end. <laughs> Well, you know how negative content works, so <laughs> you know how the reverse jinx is. This is actually brilliant on my part. <laughs> Can you imagine if I just picked the Rams in general and you were just like, "Good," and you used the well actually to make it so <laughs> to make it so that Alex only has two quarterbacks to throw touchdowns? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That would be a sick brain genius move. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, in that case, our our movie next week is, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Serenity. Sounds like a fucking Star Trek. Oh my episode. god, I forgot we're doing that. I just got so excited. Right. <laughs> Parker, do you want to wager any more before we're done? I'm not finding any good props, I'll be honest with you. Well, you can bet the game if you want. I mean, oh, you bet the Pats money line already. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. The under makes sense. I just don't like betting the under. I don't like rooting for yeah, less it's not, touchdowns. Yeah, it's not fun, but... It's not fun, but I like winning, so... Right. I'm assuming if we find a funny prop before Sunday, I'll just text you and you'll just add it anyways. Yeah, we'll allow it. I, I trust you. I trust your judgment. God, I want to bet the Gatorade color so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I think it's going to be orange. Gatorade is one of my favorite bets. Orange is plus so 300. Cool. It is the the second worst odds. In fact, you know what? I'm going to do it. 60 minutes on clear slash water at plus 400. Ooh. All right, in that case, 
Chris, are you going to take orange? No. Oh, wait, no, you might be out. You went all over. Yeah. <laughs> I will take orange. Great. Yeah. 60 minutes. I pick orange. Actually, you pick red. <laughs> what is the opposite of orange? God, I have such regret that I didn't save it. Just waste it all, save it all playoffs to waste it on a prop bet. You seem real confident in that clear. Hope so, because it's double or nothing, motherfucker. Double or nothing on clear? <laughs> you hate to see it. I cannot wait for Serenity. Serenity. <laughs>